I'm going to be reading from the last chapter of the Gospel of John. This is the last Sunday we're going to be in the Gospel of John for now at least. And so as we bring this series to a close, we're in John 21. You heard the early parts of this chapter read earlier in the service. And now we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17. Please stand. Now, remember, as I read this, where Jesus and the disciples are. He is on a shoreline. There is breakfast that he has cooked being offered to the disciples. They have eaten, and now he moves into a conversation with Peter that is amazing. Again, John 21, beginning at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Lord, it is your word and it is what feeds us. You are the one who feeds us through the powerful work of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you illuminate this your word, and we ask you to do it now, every heart, every mind, that we would think new thoughts, hear new things, feel new things, and oh Lord, be transformed as a result. We love you. We really do. Thank you for loving us first. Bless this time in your word now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matt, you were in the last service, and so what I said to Chad and Paul and you Some is going to be repeated now, but it's going to be worth repeating because the people that you have just been instructed and called and the value you've made to teach are these people, those in the last hour as well. And it is a great privilege to be a pastor. It's a hard, a hard call because the weights of the world are heavy and we're not perfect But it's a beautiful call to be able to move into people's lives and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. I mentioned in the last hour that the ordination vows and the installation vows that you just heard, those questions that were asked of Matthew, the questions that in the earlier service were asked of Paul and Chad, those are questions that come out of our book of church order. It's a wonderful document that gives us guidelines for the way the church is to function. It's a very important work. It's not inerrant. That means it's not without error. It's not infallible. It's not on the same par as Scripture, which is inerrant, which is infallible. And sometimes you'll see something, and you'll go, you know what? This this is missing something. And I think I've seen it, at least today. Something that I think is missing. And it's actually in the vows that the men just took. Those are wonderful vows. But there's one question. I mean, one question that I think would radically inform and improve the vows that they just took. And that question is the one Jesus is asking Peter. Do you love me? In many ways, as Frederick Bruner says, the end of John is Peter's installation service. 
The end of John is Peter's installation. And this installation comes with one question and one charge. And what is the question? It's asked three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's the only question. And the charge that follows, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Tend to my sheep. I don't think it's a small thing to ask that question in an ordination or an installation service. But the reason I think it's not asked is because it's assumed. You wouldn't be a pastor if you didn't love Jesus. You wouldn't struggle as a human being if you love Jesus. This is an assumption that we should never make. It's an assumption that should not be made even in a service like this. Now, I'm so serious about this. I do think that we should pursue this at the denominational level. Who would argue against adding the question, do you love Jesus? Nobody. Because at the core, it is the most important question. Now, can we love him perfectly this side of heaven? Of course not. But that doesn't mean we don't love him. That doesn't mean we don't long to love him more and more. It means that we understand that we are, as Chad so eloquently put, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God we love. But in response to his love for us, we love him. Don't we? I mean, do you see this God here on the shoreline cooking breakfast? Don't let that go far from your mind for a moment, please. The God of the universe, the one who has existed from all eternity, the God who actually made those fish that those men would catch, the God who made the fish that he had already gathered, he has them on charcoal. By the way, in the Greek, this is fascinating, the same word that's used for the fire that Peter was warming himself by the night when he said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him, three times. Peter said he would never say that. Peter said he would lay down his life for him. The same word for the fire that was there that he warmed himself to is the same word for the fire that now has these fish on it as Christ cooks breakfast. That's awesome. The God of the universe, having been crucified by mankind, having been crushed by the will of his Father and the wrath of God, the God of the universe is now standing on a shoreline looking at his disciples cooking breakfast. What did it smell like? What did he look like? John recognizes him. And he says to those on the boat, it is the Lord. And Peter's not clothed. He's fishing. He's working. He puts on his outer garment. And Peter doesn't wait for the men to row the boat in. He jumps in the water. And he swims towards the Savior. And then this simple, gentle, passionate Beautiful encounter. Jesus simply says, come and have breakfast. That's our God. That's our religion. What other religion in the world reveals this about the heart of their God? Jesus is there to restore. He is there to give them the means of grace. And Jesus meets them on the shoreline, and they have breakfast. And after breakfast, Peter hears the one installation question. Do you love me? 
Bruner, Frederick Bruner, in the commentary that I've used most during the study on John, which is phenomenal. You should all consider reading it. It's thick, but it's rich and accessible. He says this about this question, do you love me? He says, the single major installation, ordination, or commissioning question a minister, teacher, or servant of the Lord should be asked is, do you love Jesus? And that question, by the way, should not only be asked by someone like me in a service like this. It should be asked by you, of me, of Matt, of Paul, of Chad, of Julian, of Bill, and the list goes on and on. And it is a question that you should ask one another. If you're in a small group Bible study, and you have what's called accountability, when you go around the room and you talk about things you maybe have been looking at or or saying or thinking or idols of your heart, that is important and good. But let me tell you something. That is not the ultimate accountability question. The ultimate accountability question is, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Because if, if you don't get to that question, your eyes really are still on you. They're on you to overcome, to pull your bootstraps up, to somehow fix it. No, we need to be asking one another, do you love Jesus? It was in David Newman's prayer. I'm not sure you you picked up on it, but listen to what he prayed. It struck me in the first hour. He said, I prayed for their humility, but I pray that it's not brought by hardship, but by worship. Do you see? It goes back to what I said a moment ago. Marveling at his beauty. Wondering in his glory. My friends, that's what we should be meditating on. Do you love Jesus? It's the question Jesus asked Peter. And he asked him three times, and we know why. Three times Peter said, I don't know him. John 13, Jesus tells Peter, you will deny that you even know me. Peter said, I will lay down my life for you. I will die for you. Jesus says, you will deny that you even know me. Do you think Peter thought that was possible? I don't think he did. You know why? Because I think he loved Jesus that much. I think Peter so loved Jesus that he was, he didn't think it was possible that he could deny him. But then in John 18, three times at the place of charcoal, I don't know the man. I'm not with him. I'm not one of his. And so three times, with the smell of fish in the air and a belly full of food that Jesus cooked, Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Each time, Peter says yes, but the last one's most profound. Here's why. In the last verse, the last response, Peter's sad. Peter was grieved, it says in verse 17, because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And so Peter responds, and this is very important. He responds, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Let me just unpack this for a moment. Matt, in your ministry, the Lord can never learn anything. Not about you, not about your family, not about anything that you're involved in. The Lord is omniscient. There's nothing he can ever learn. We can learn so many things. 
you will encounter people's pain and wonder what to say. The Lord will never be at a loss of words. Though he might be quiet, he will not be at a loss of words. There's nothing the Lord can learn. That which applies to other people and their circumstances also applies to us. There's nothing the Lord can learn about your love for him. That might frighten some of you, but the truth is it's glorious if you love him. Here's what I mean. Peter has heard twice already, do you love me? Now he's heard it a third time, do you love me? And he's sad because he knows what he had done before. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Here's what Peter's saying. When Jesus asked him the third time, and he's thinking in his heart how he should respond, Here's what's going on in his heart and mind. I can't appeal to my own convictions or conscience. Not anymore. I once said I would never deny him. And I went back on my word, not once, not twice, but three times. I can't appeal to my own convictions or conscience anymore, Lord. I don't trust myself. Peter could deny him again. He did it once. He did it twice. He did it three times. Who's to say he might not do it again? I don't trust myself. And so, Lord, I appeal to your knowledge of me and of every human heart. Lord, you know everything. And he does. You know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. One installation question. Do you love me? One installation charge. Feed my sheep. Some of you don't know Matt or Chad or Paul that well yet. But you love the Lord. Aaron, you love the Lord. Your family's growing up in a family that loves the Lord. When you think about your family in the past, the help, and the future, the hope, it's phenomenal because of the way in which you've been raised. It's not perfect. No family is. But the light of Jesus shines brightly in you. And the reason that we have confidence that God's called you to this place in this time is not simply because of gifts. And all three of these men are very gifted. At the core, it's because if they were asked that question, right here, right now, do you love Jesus with humility, appropriately so, they would say yes. And then they would say, and I want to love him more. And I believe him. And I believe that's true of many of you too. So here's the question. Do you love him? And here's the charge. Feed my sheep. I want to say something about this very quickly. A pastor is not called just to preach. He's not called just to prepare Bible studies. All three of those men preach very well. They prepared excellent Bible studies and Sunday school classes. Their teaching is wonderful. Some people think that's really all a pastor is supposed to do. That's not all that the feeding implies. It's a big part of it. But Jesus essentially is not saying just give people Bible studies. What Jesus is saying is tend to them as a shepherd. Feed my sheep. Do you see that? They're not your sheep. You're a shepherd, but they're ultimately his sheep. It's not your Sunday school class. It's not your church. It's not your Bible study. It's not your men's ministry. It is his. 
These are his sheep. I am one of the sheep. You are one of the sheep. We're his sheep. And in every sermon, homily, lesson you prepare, remember that you're feeding his sheep. And he's called you to do that. What a gift. So what do you feed them? You feed them his word. Essentially, you feed them Jesus. And you can only feed them that which you have been feeding on. And that's why this picture is so powerful. Jesus saying, come and have breakfast. Matt, don't feed anyone anything other than Jesus. And feed them only after you have been feasting on Jesus. This Jesus is the one who sought to restore Peter by asking him those questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he gave this simple charge. Feed my sheep. Christianity is about a God unlike any other God. Because he's the only God. And this God invites us into relationship with him, even giving us this profound picture of the Savior saying, come and have breakfast. Do you know him? That's the kind of God he is. And he's the only God. One true God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Final question. What is this congregation going to need most from you? What does it need most from me, from any of our pastors, from our elders and our deacons, and really from each other? It's the same thing. That we are feeding on Jesus, overwhelmed by his beauty, his glory, and his power. And congregation, what is it that the pastors need from you? Well, honestly, it brings deep encouragement to a pastor's heart when he sees the people feeding on the Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the ways that's expressed is when we are overwhelmed by his glory more than we're overwhelmed about the time, more than we're overwhelmed about tomorrow's appointment, more even than we're overwhelmed about the needs of our children. We're overwhelmed by this glorious God that indeed we spend our time marveling at his beauty. And so today, we end the service by singing a lot. I pray that you will stay. We're not going to end a whole lot longer than normal, but we're singing the pieces of three hymns. Don't look yet, just listen. I shouldn't hear paper rumbling. The final hymn is titled, My Jesus, I Love Thee. In the last hour, I asked the men, what if Jesus had posed another question to Peter? Not just, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? But after he said, yes, 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 he said, why do you love me? Well, I think the answer to that question is in what we're about to sing. I love thee, 
Jesus, because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. Think about that. He died for you, that you could live forever. He died for you, that you could live forever. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love him? Jesus, it's an amazingly gracious thing that you would ask that question to one who so heinously betrayed you. Lord, it's an amazing thing that 2,000 years later, we can confess in the midst of an hour that we all are prone to wonder, prone to leave the God we love, and, let, and yet you come and you capture us and you secure us with a hope that exists for all eternity. Lord, thank you for this particular expression of your church, this body which is yours. And would you fill us with joy right now as we sing and give us peace to be present in this moment to celebrate who we are in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The hymns are on page four in your bulletin. If you would, let's stand, turn there, and sing with full voice.